Hello, and welcome to The Meaning Podcast, an ongoing exploration of how spiritual significance emerges from the life and work of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. I'm your host, Chris Bonhoff. Not long ago, Plymouth member Karen Barstead had a conversation with her sister about where they find the divine. Her sister's answer was in nature. Karen's answer was in community. From musical groups to friendship circles to groups whose purpose is to walk with people through life transitions, Karen has been a member of many sub-communities at Plymouth. And we talked about what meaning she has pulled from those often messy and imperfect, but always affirming and empowering experiences. We started out talking about what she learned about listening from the community of befrienders. A number of years ago, I was in the Charlotte, North Carolina airport waiting to fly home again. And across from me, you know, you've got these very uncomfortable seats kind of rounded, plastic, awful seats. And and across from me is another row. And I happened to observe that the woman across the way was on her phone and she was crying. And I heard the word funeral. So when she got off the phone, I moved over, I sat beside her and I just said, I'm sorry you're so sad. And this launched this conversation about what had happened in her life. And that was a tool that I had picked up in my work as a befriender at Plymouth Church, to just listen, you know, not to offer advice or, you know, they're there, don't worry, everything will be all fine, but to listen. It was truly a sacred experience. We laughed. She cried. We discovered that we had some common geographic roots. Um, It was a wonderful experience to be able to share with her, to hear her story, and to be a comfort. The Befriender training is very intentional about not giving advice, about being a loving, listening presence. The model is that You know, in a church, befrienders would be trained and then they would be linked up with particular people who might be going through a transition in their life, a death, a divorce, a downsizing of their home, children graduating and moving on, a job change, a job loss. You know, any number of things is kind of a transition. And the befriender then will meet with that person and just... The way it was described to me so beautifully is that sometimes a person needs to tell a story until it finds a home. They need to, and and their family may, may be just so tired of hearing this story over and over, but they need to tell it. And if they need to repeat it each time, each visit, fine. Yeah, that's good. I will listen. So that's kind of what the model is. What we befrienders have discovered is that it doesn't have to be a formal relationship in order to provide that loving, listening presence. And we've sort of joked about being in befriender mode. So someone is starting to tell a story that maybe is about some difficulty that they're having or some problem that they're wrestling with. And I, I, I know for myself, I just kind of think, oh, 
this is where I, I be quiet and listen and ask a few questions that draw out the story. But I let the story come as it needs to come. And oftentimes people will say, you know, I feel so much better having talked. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for letting me share this. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of rare to have have just like have the floor to have a space yes. and the yes. curiosity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've found that in lots of the interviews that I've done is when you just give people the opportunity and the curiosity to talk about yeah. their own experiences. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes what they say surprises them. Yes. Yes. And yeah. it, like at the end of a conversation, people will say, wow, I had no idea that that's what I thought about that. Yes. I didn't know I knew that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another community that I've found in the last couple of years at Plymouth is the Chapel Singers. And um, that has been a new entryway into meaning and to sharing joy and um, being, being imperfect together and, and celebrating just sharing what we can share mm-hmm. um, and having parties and because <laughs> that's important too. Um, yeah. And another community that I discovered in recent years was Camp Plymouth. Yeah. So going to this camp for a weekend, being with a mix of ages, playing some games, um, having meals together, having a worship service together. You know, there's a lot of meaning making there, um, getting to know people and having people know me. And I've had, you know, a couple of situations occur at, at the same time as, as Camp Plymouth and to be surrounded by such love and people really caring and people wanting to help. You know, last year I fell playing four square, sprained my wrist. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and people just jumped in to help. In ways, I, I learned in that experience that people are much more willing to help than I'm willing to ask. Yeah. And that was that was God. I think we're all in a lot of different communities, and it can even be in family communities where the talk is very surface. Yeah. It's very, um, what did you do? What do you plan to do this summer? What are your hobbies? What's going on in that? And it almost becomes competitive after a while. Yeah. I'm doing this. Well, I'm doing this. And that can be difficult But to have conversations that are, are deep and don't come to any particular conclusion. You know, what is the divine? What is prayer? What is, what is the role of nature in our spiritual life? What is the role of of something that we read or experience. You know, where do we connect with Plymouth? We've talked a lot about that in various settings. What 
feeds our soul. I'm interested in, in like the ability to be imperfect. Ah, yes. In these spaces. And I, and I wonder if, if um, like the perceived need for perfection, perfectionism in our culture generally is maybe a reason why people do stay superficial because it's mm. safe, you know, mm-hmm. you can, you can stay perfect. And, you know, Plymouth has been one of those places where perfectionism is treasured. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So For a it, second, I forgot about that. Sorry. <laughs> so there are expectations that, you know, the ministers will have great sermons and the choirs will sing great music and the art on the walls will be really great. And that can get in the way of... Of letting community be messy, letting community evolve as it needs to and be nurturing without necessarily being A1 all the time. Johnny Cash once said that he was a C-minus Christian, and I just love that. There's such humility in that. There's so much willingness to say, I don't do it right all the time, but I do it right sometimes. Mm. I just love that. A C-minus Christian. (laughs) Um, And and someone else once said that B-plus is good enough. And how do we let people just be who they are and how they are and to celebrate being who we are? bring our whole messy selves in the door and just, yeah, experience that. And a part of it is that if in community we share our imperfections, that allows other people to share their own and not feel so alone with it. I've been more open about my history of having an eating disorder, having depression, being on antidepressants, um, growing up in a home that was fractured by alcoholism. You know, I can share those stories, and I've had other people then come to me and say, I've had that experience. I know what that's like. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. You know, If a community can help liberate people as I've been liberated, and as I continue to be liberated, that's really, really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So the function of that isn't just to help people feel good. The function, the, the purpose is for liberation. Right. Right. Something that happens when you listen to people who are, who are voicing their truths, their experiences, right. their lives, right. Right. is that you discover in yourself things that you thought that you had figured out, but that you don't actually. Yeah. That may, there are some, 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 some things about the world that are still left to learn and reconcile with your own experience. Mm-hmm. So there is, I mean, there's, there's also a vulnerability to opening oneself up to other people, to, to fully engaging in community, mm-hmm. you know, because, there is an inevitability to learning something 
in that in that community space mm-hmm. that isn't exactly comfortable. You have to be intentional, or you have to kind of accept that that that's part of part of what you're getting. Yes. When yeah. you enter into community, yeah. and when you allow other people to come into community with you, right, right, they're going to. You don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. To your own self perception, uh, the way that you, uh, you know, what your role is within mm-hmm. a community. Mm-hmm. Wrestling with difficult decisions in community is important and it can be messy and it can be uncomfortable. And my community here has helped me realize that certain assumptions that I've made throughout my life are no longer valid. And that there's a a level of privilege and opportunity that I have experienced that was not earned in the way that I thought it was. And so community can also teach humility and it can teach me about risk and it can teach me about change. And there's so much change in our world that's really unsettling. And it can be changed within the church and it can be changed outside the church. It's change is unsettling because you always have to lose something when you change. You always have to let go of something. And community can help can help me decide what change really feels necessary and how to adjust to that change and how to grieve the loss of whatever it is. We can support one another through whatever emotions come up during those changes and those losses. Getting to know people and letting yourself be known. Where does that happen for you? Where are you able to let your guard down and participate fully in messy, imperfect community? And what factors have limited your full engagement when you haven't connected to community? A listener named Peter wrote in response to episode 11 with Dwayne Davis and Dwayne's characterization of optimism as the belief that everything will be all right. Peter wrote, My study and practice of contemplative prayer and meditation over the years has changed my understanding of everything will be all right. Perhaps it has something to do with what everything means to me. The world is a mess. And it has been since the dawn of civilization. That may never change, but I have come to believe the mystics when they proclaim that everything will be all right. While I've had that belief in my being for years, it came to life for me in a very concrete way two years ago when I was diagnosed with stage four bladder cancer. I knew very clearly that indeed, everything will be all right. In other words, I knew and still know that I can be a joyful person while I know the facts, the facts of the crap going on in the world, 
and the facts of the crap going on in my body. I can continue to work to try to make the world a better place, even though I know I will more than likely fail to do anything very substantial. Because while I may not ever know the fruits of my efforts or the fruits of the millions of others who are working as I am, I know that my mentor, the carpenter's son from Nazareth, never saw the fruits of his efforts either. It doesn't matter. What matters is having the moral imagination to continue to keep on going, to continue to care, to continue to love, even amongst the crap. Our musical theme is by Jimmy Hulse. Additional music by Max Brunel. Meaning is a production of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. We'll hope to see you next time.